Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Community. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Fritz Bilo. I'm one of the pastors here and super glad you've joined us. I want to welcome everybody, especially all of our guests who are with us. And I do want to give a shout out to Bluffton Community uh, joining us today. And then everybody who's a part of Lighthouse Online, we're really glad that you're with us as well. Uh, as Josh had mentioned, we are kicking off a new series today called God Made Marriage. And um, over the next four weeks, more than anything, What we're really hoping is that we will get a very clear picture and understanding of the gospel. What does it look like to trust Jesus? What does it look like to follow Jesus in in any circumstance that we're going to go through? Uh, And and whether whether you're married or not, right? Because what we're going to talk about, we'll talk about the application of marriage. But as far as, I mean, it will work within anybody's situation and what they're going through. So um, let me walk you through what you're going to experience over the next couple weeks. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about unity and how two people become one. And then in week three, we're going to uncover what does vulnerability in a relationship really look like? And and can you really trust another person? And then in week four, we're going to answer the question, what does the gospel have to do with marriage? And and I'm going to give you a hint on what the answer is, uh, everything, right? And so the gospel has everything to do with marriage. And so uh, as I was researching uh, this week and some thoughts on marriage, um, I came across some quotes that uh, I wanted you to hear uh, today. One person wrote, I love being married. It's so great to find that one special person you want to annoy the rest of your life. Um, uh, Another one said, uh, husband secretly lowers the thermostat and I secretly turn it back up. We both vehemently deny touching it. Marriage is fun. Uh, (laughs) uh, 15th century pastor Martin Luther wrote, Marriage is the God-appointed and legitimate union of man and woman in the hope of having children, or at least for the purpose of avoiding fornication and sin and living to the glory of God. So there you go. Uh, And my favorite is, just found out the wife is writing a book about her honeymoon. It's called Fifty Shades of Just Okay. Uh, So, so, uh, yeah, we're talking about marriage right now. Uh, I told you it was going to make it, Larry. Uh, Right? So... <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, marriage is, is this touchy subject uh, these days. There's, there's a lot of tension around it uh, in regards to this topic in our culture. Uh, some people, um, they're, they're trying to open the definition of marriage. Others are trying to very uh, clearly define and do, you know, on the other side about that. Uh, some things, they, they seem right. Other things seem really to the side. And then, you add on top of that that every single one of us, whether you're married, single, doesn't matter, we all have experiences with marriage, right? Because like some, some of us, we, we were raised in this family with, with this like perfect marriage and you carry the weight of that legacy, right? It's like I have to live up to that thing that my parents had. Um, others of us have, ex- you, like you firsthand have experienced the hurt and pain that comes through divorce, 
uh, or maybe somebody not holding up their end of the vows, right? Um, all of that. And then, like still, some of us have never even gotten a glimpse of what commitment in a relationship looks like, what, what the gospel looks like in a relationship. You know, I know for me, uh, when I was three years old, my parents got divorced. And so what I learned from that, among some other things as well, was that people who say that they love you will leave, right? And that's a lesson that I learned through that. And I carried that with me for a long time through my life and wondering, you know, how do you really trust other people? And, and what I did was I learned how to keep people at a distance because of that. Uh, and you would think, well, once you get married, that solves everything, right? No, it doesn't. So I remember Christine and I, the first few years we were married, I kept her at a distance. There was this weird tension where I loved her deeply. I trusted her more than anybody else in my life. And at the same time, I was always waiting for when she was going to wisen up and, and leave me as well, right? Like that's, that's the stuff that played in my mind. And, and we've all got baggage around this topic of marriage, Every single one of us, again, doesn't matter what your situation is right now, what you're dealing with, what you're going through. We all have baggage on this topic of marriage. But I want to give you some good news, that no matter where you are in the marriage spectrum, whether you're married or you're single, you're divorced, you're on your way to divorce, you're widowed, I, I want you to hear this more than anything. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope in Jesus Christ. And quite frankly, you will find no lasting hope. You will find no lasting solution outside of the person of Jesus Christ. Christ can transform anyone's situation. And he can do it in you, right? He can do it in you. And so today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to show you the origins of marriage and how God can transform you through faith. So if you brought a Bible, if you'll turn over or click over to Genesis chapter 2, that's the first book in the Old Testament, uh, that's, that's where we're going to be. And as you're going there, I just want to take a moment to, to pray real quick. Fathers, I think about you know, getting into your word, I'm, there's a part of me, like, I'm just so excited to be able to share the things that uh, are so clear from your word, the truth that is apparent, and, and how when we, when we trust you, it's amazing how you work through that faith and that trust in remarkable ways. And then at the same time, Lord, there's this tension because I don't want to say just superfluous things. I don't just want to say things to grab attention. I want to, I want to speak truth clearly. I want to make sure that, that I'm representing you rightly. And so I'm asking, and I imagine that there are many others in this room or at other locations, they're praying the same thing. They're like, Lord, help the word come through with clarity and with truth and that we can walk with you by faith. And so we're asking for that. And I also want to ask for some of my friends who are here this morning who they don't know what the next step is for them. They're, they maybe showed up today because it's like the last hope for them, uh, either in their marriage or, or there's some things going on in their life, and, and they're just wondering if this Jesus thing is even real. And, and I'm just praying, Holy Spirit, that you would confirm to them that Jesus does transform lives. Jesus does take people who are walking in spiritual blindness and help them to see, people who are walking in darkness and bring them into the light. And I pray that we might even be able to get witness to some of those things today. We worship you alone, Jesus. Amen. 
Okay, Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 18, and I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. You can follow along with the version that you have. It says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, there's, there's three truths that I'd like to point out from this passage this morning. And the first one is this, is that God created man and woman. That's the first truth. God created man and woman. And and that's really where the bulk of this account lives and is showing us. Uh, In fact, in the passages prior to this description, you, you see God creating Adam from the dust of the earth. He forms him and then breathes his own breath, his own life into Adam, making him a living and breathing person. And then we discover how God created Eve with the same level of thoughtfulness and care as he did for Adam. And, and this idea that God created man and woman, for, for some of us, you go, well, yeah, that's, that's obvious, that's plain, we get that, we understand that, all those types of things. But it's so foundational for us to understand this truth that we are created by God, because it means we're designed with intentionality. You are not a random accident that popped up in the universe, okay? This means we're created with purpose and our lives are not meaningless. This means, I want you to catch this, this means that you are wanted by God. Let me say that again, because that's very important. You are wanted by God. You're not a mistake. You are made in the image of God, and that matters. You know, just, just for a moment, what I'd like to do is I want to talk a little more on women's, women's creation because I think that there is confusion sometimes about her creation and what that means for today. Uh, because we look at the scriptures and it says that Eve was created as a helper for Adam. And in the purpose when you see that, it's not to help Adam do whatever Adam wants to do. The purpose of Eve as a helper is to actually help him rely on God in a way that he could not do on his own. That's her role as a helper, is to help him rely on God in a way that he could not do on his own. And and the other thing that I think is amazing is there was no other like inferior animal that was fit to be his helper. Right, Because you see, like, you know, God brings all of these different animals in front of him, and they're all not created in the image of God. They're created by God, but not in his image. And they're all these inferior animals, but none of them were fit to be his helper. So what does God do? God created a co-equal helper 
from Adam. And so since she is made from Adam's rib, that means she's not like the rest of creation over which Adam is to have dominion, right? And, and, and to dominate in that way. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying about the creation of Eve? Because you have to know that when you look back at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27... There's this very important truth that comes out. Actually, let's do this. Let's read Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, out loud together. It'll be up here on the screen. Uh, Starting with, so God created man. Are you ready? Go. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Man and woman are created in God's image. You're created. You have to catch this. You're created. You're purposed. There's intentional design behind who you are and what God has for you to do. You're wanted by God. And here's my question. How does that truth affect your life? Like, how will the truth that you're wanted by God change the way you live today? What does it change even about this moment right now? Right? You're wanted, you're designed, you're created by God. Here's the second truth, is that God created marriage. And so God made Eve from Adam's rib, right? And so God ends up bringing Eve to Adam, and Adam realized that Eve, she's different from all of the rest of creation, and she's even different from him, but she's also the same. She's the same, but she's different. And in that, you get the snapshot of this very first marriage. And so what we discover about marriage that God has designed is this. Firstly, is that God created marriage. That's what we learn, right? He's the one who put it into practice. He's the one who put it into play. And since God created it, that means he gets to say what it looks like. And so when you look at the scriptures and you read Genesis 2 and you read other passages as well, you begin to see that God's design for marriage is one man and one woman choosing lifelong interdependence with one another. Lifelong interdependence. And marriage is saying yes to one person in a way that causes you to say no to all of the others, to be in that kind of a special relationship. Marriage is actually resisting independence. It's resisting autonomy. Marriage is this lifelong journey of holding fast to one another. This lifelong journey of vulnerability, of enjoyment. And then you see from the scriptures as well, if God chooses, then also children, right? You know what marriage really is when you pull everything away? Marriage is spending the rest of your life with the same person putting furniture together, right? That, that, that's what marriage really is, right? Think of it, I'm like stroking, you know, like you were there this weekend, right? Like, have you had the joy of this experience, right? Like putting together furniture with your spouse. It always like starts out this way. Somebody's got the instructions, somebody has the stuff, and you know, the guy, the person reading instruction goes, uh, tab C goes into slot four, right? And so then they're there and it's and they're like, well, it's not going. So then what does the person with the instructions do? They, they just get louder and slower. Tab C goes into slot 
four with the green screw, right? And, and, <laughs> and, and there's like anger and frustration and all of that. And then when you're all done, uh, you, you apologize, right? You're like, I'm really sorry for the things I said when, you know, you couldn't get tab four into slot B. And, um, you know, I promise to do better next time. Uh, that's marriage, <laughs> right? Over and over and over again. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit empowering you in marriage, right? Like you need him guiding you. You need God's guidance. And, and, and so what I would say is this truth that God has designed marriage, God has created marriage. Here's where it, where it comes for us. Resist trying to redefine marriage. Resist trying to redefine marriage, right? Because God's already designed it. And when we step outside of that design, we're just, we're stepping into all kinds of issues and problems and heartaches and struggles and things like that. And so just on a very practical side, let me say this, when you have feelings for someone who's not your spouse, and if you're married, right, and they're not your spouse, here's what you do. You pray and you ask the Holy Spirit to resist that, right, and walk with him in fellowship instead, when, you, when and if you have feelings for someone of the same gender, you rely on the Holy Spirit to resist that, right? Like God created marriage a specific way for specific reasons. And as Christ followers, I want to say this, this is for Christ followers. Our, our role is actually to trust God by faith that his design is better than my redefining and my redesign. Do you see Okay, here's the third truth. And the third truth really comes out of the first two, and it's this, is that God is our provider. When you look through Genesis, you see that God has provided creation. You see that God has provided life. You see that God has provided marriage. That God has provided everything, right? In fact, it's a name that he goes by. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, uh, it's a name that he's given, God the provider, right? The Hebrew is, I don't know if anybody can say it, finish it for me, Jehovah Jireh, yeah, right? Now you're all biblical scholars. Uh, and so uh, that's his name, right? God who provides. And so if God is the one who provides, go here with me for a second. If God is the one who provides, that means then we are the ones who receive the provision. We don't step in his role to be provider. We trust him as our provider, right? We're the ones who receive. And, and quite frankly, when we refuse to look to God as our provider, you know what it's like? It's a lot like the five-year-old who decides that they're running away from home, right? Have you experienced this? Uh, so this five-year-old declares, I don't need you. I'm leaving. I'm running away. And so what they do is they go to the room that you provide for them. They grab the book bag that you bought them. They stuff in a couple of toys that you gave to them. They walk into the kitchen, grab some snacks that you paid for, right? And then they start heading to the door. Oh, by the way, all wearing the clothes that you gave to them. And they stop at the door. They turn around right before they go to leave. And they say, can I have 20 bucks, right? Because <laughs> I don't have any money, um, right? Like that's, that's what happens when we, when we refuse to see God as our provider. It's like he's given us all these things and we're like, well, I don't need you, God. It's like, okay, well, then you go get your own breath. You go get your own life. You go get your own creation, your own world, your own, right? You, you have to do it all. 
And so you have to know that God has provided absolutely everything we have. And my question is, is what would it look like for you and for me to acknowledge that throughout the day? What would it look like for you to rely on God as your provider just for the rest of today? Because you don't know that you're going to get tomorrow. You got right now. What does it look like? like to realize? I'm just thinking right in this moment, like the fact that I'm, that breath is a, God, is a gift that God has given to me. He provided that for me. He didn't have to, but he just did. And so I should be in awe just going, oh, like I'm still free. I'm still standing upright. I'm still right. I can't believe that God would do this for me. Like what guidance would you ask for him? How would the way that you approach your relationships, your marriage, how would you make decisions differently if you lived with the reality that God is your provider, right? How would you, how would you find yourself waiting maybe just a little bit longer than you typically would? Because you know God's your provider, and you're going to trust him instead of trusting yourself. So, so what does all of this have to do with us? What does this have to do with marriage? I think what it boils down to when I think about the application side of this is it's trust God's plan for marriage. Trust God's plan for marriage. Because the topic of marriage is a loaded one. There's all kinds of views on what it is and what it isn't, what it could be, what it should be. We all have baggage that we carry when we think about that. You know, my baggage is, is coming out of divorce as a kid. Maybe your baggage is, is trying to live up to that model marriage that your parents provided for you. Uh, maybe you want to be married, but, you're, but you haven't taken that step yet. Uh, or maybe you're like my dad. You know, my dad was living. He was so hurt from his divorce. He just intentionally chose isolation and loneliness for the rest of his life. Right? Like that was his baggage. That was the thing that began to define him. And and no matter where you are in that whole spectrum, we can trust God's plan from marriage, both from a truth standpoint, but also personally in our own lives. You know, I think one of the first ways that you can trust God's plan for marriage is simply to know God's plan for marriage, okay? You got to know God's plan for marriage. And and, and by just a little hint, you're not going to find God's plan for marriage like on on Dr. Phil or like, you know, Amazon's top 10 books that are selling right now. Um, Just not going to happen. The best place to discover God's plan for marriage is right here in the scriptures, right? Everything we need to trust him, to live day to day, all of that. And so uh, God talks about marriage in the scripture. He does, right? We're, We're reading passages right now, right? In Genesis 1 and 2. God's describing that. So, uh, like, read those passages. Reflect on them through the week. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, especially verses 21 through 33, right? Like, read those and reflect on those. That's, that's actually the next step you could take this week on your connection card is to, to meditate on those passages. Um, but, but here's even a pro tip, right? There's passages where God specifically talks about marriage, but then there's other passages that don't talk about marriage at all. But let me tell you something, married people, those passages still apply to marriage, right? Like, you know, you read in there, uh, in Galatians 6, we were just there a few weeks ago, when it says to bear burdens with another, one another and to serve them with humility. You, you, that doesn't just work in the church, right? Like, you go home and you do that, right? Like, it applies. It's not like marriage is some special relationship where the rest of Scripture doesn't apply to that unless it specifically talks about marriage. But it's like, no, we actually, we follow, when Jesus says, right, forgive your enemy, that applies in marriage, right? Like once you finish with furniture, you're, you know, you're like you grant forgiveness and you give it away and you ask for it, right? And so you apply 
what the Bible says even into your marriage. And as you discover God's plan, you start to see that a big part of God's plan for marriage is actually helping each other to grow in trusting and relying on God. You need to understand that you are helpers to each other, helping each other rely on God more and more. That's actually the greatest way you will serve your spouse, is to help them rely on the Lord in new ways they couldn't on their own. And by the way, that's the role of every single believer in the church, whether you're married or not. Our, our primary role in the church is actually to help each other grow in relying on the Lord, right? Like this is just true for all of us. And so when you begin to see that marriage is overwhelmingly tied to spiritual growth, it'll actually begin to change the way that you interact with your spouse. And so know God's plan. But not only do we trust God's plan at a large level, we trust God's plan for our own lives too. Because I, I realize that some of you may be wondering, you're going, well, well, what about me? You know, here I am, we're in this marriage series, and, and I'm divorced. What, what, do you, what does this have to do with me? Or I already moved in with somebody that I'm not married to. Uh, what does this have to do with me? You know, I'm having sex with somebody who's not my spouse. What, what is it? You know, I'm not married. I'm single. You know, what, what does this have to do with me? Or my marriage is in so much trouble, we're basically just roommates right now. And what does any of this have to do with me? And, and what I would say is this, is no matter your situation, no matter where you're at in that spectrum, you can still trust God's plan. See, that, that is the critical part of faith in Jesus Christ. See, the, it's not just I pray a prayer and I wait until heaven comes. But actually, faith in Jesus Christ is constantly trusting his plan, constantly trusting his design, and instead of trusting my own. Right? That's what following Jesus really is all about. And so this new way of living is you saying yes to Jesus' plan instead of saying yes to your own. And sometimes, let's just be straight up, sometimes saying yes to Jesus can be really challenging. It can be very challenging, and it takes courage. I want you to think about this. If you're divorced, is there a chance that you could reconcile with your spouse? Think about that. If so, that would take overwhelming courage and reliance on the Holy Spirit to even think about sniffing down that pathway, let alone walking it, right? You know? And, and if not, maybe like there's no, there's no chance for reconciliation. Well, if so, then you're going to need the Holy Spirit to guide you down the new path that you're walking now, right? What about like if you're, if you're like playing house, with someone you're not married to, right? You're sleeping with somebody who's not your spouse. Then you know what you'll need? You'll actually need the Holy Spirit and the guidance to, to confess that and repent. And then you're going to need the Holy Spirit to empower you to resist going back to that place. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to grant you courage to like move out, right? You're going you're gonna to need the Holy Spirit to empower you that the next time you're in a situation like that is to say no, right? Like that's, this is what we're talking about. And, and if your marriage is like in the toughest season you've ever been, then you're going to need the gospel and you're going to need the Holy Spirit to forgive, to humbly serve another person that you can't even really stand to look at right now. 
Right? Do you see? Like following Jesus, you, you have to have the Holy Spirit. You've got to trust him by faith in these situations, right? To like love your spouse, to love anybody without any strings attached. You, you know what happens sometimes is when the church will do a teaching series on marriage. What, what will happen sometimes is, is people who are outside of that spectrum get really frustrated and they go, well, there's really nothing there for me. And so they'll, they'll disengage or find something else to do during the time that the church is teaching on that topic. And, and let me say this, if you're in that category, very quickly, I just want to share a couple things with you on why I think you should stay dialed in. But before I share with you, I'd like you to hear just a really brief message from a friend of mine. His name's Trent Miller, um, young single guy, uh, walking with Jesus, actually part of our teaching team. And, and he just had a message that he wanted to share. So I wonder if you'll just take a look at this real quick. Hi, my name is Trenton Miller, and uh, I just wanted to give some encouragement to all the single people uh, to really be attentive to what God has to say about marriage in the scriptures. So as I've learned more about marriage in the scriptures, Jesus has actually given me such a deeper intimacy with him. So God uses marriage to point us to our eternal loving relationship we're meant to have with him. So in a marriage, people say no to every other spouse and they're saying yes to that one spouse. That's what our relationship with God looks like. It's saying no to selfishness, no to idols, no to things that pretend to love us and, and pretend to give us acceptance. And it's saying yes to the true life, leadership, the meaningful love, the acceptance and security that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And through faith in his blood, he actually cleanses us from those things that pretend to love us and pretend to accept us and gives us access into the presence of our Father who actually truthfully does accept us and give us that meaningful love in Jesus Christ. And so I think Trent does a great job just outlining that really well. We're going to talk more about that on week four, but um, if you are in that category, here's what I invite you, why I think uh, this is still for you, is because um, God talks about marriage in the Bible, and so it's worth every believer exploring the things that God has to say, um, the different topics that he's taught about and talked about. Um, a practical reason is uh, one day, you know, maybe you're single today, but you'll be married uh, in the future, and this will actually help you prepare. Uh, a ministry reason is you likely have married friends who one day, they're, they're going to share challenges with you that they're going through, and instead of going, well, I can't help you, I'm not married, you can say, well, actually, Scripture says this about walking hand in hand with, you know, your spouse. Um, and so you can minister and you can pray very specifically. But here's what I would say is the most vital reason on why I think anybody, no matter their, their station in life, should dial into this, is that marriage is an object lesson that reflects the gospel to us. All right? Marriage is two people who are similar, but they're different and they're attempting to merge their lives into one, right? It's like, that's, that's what marriage really is. And then when you think about that in regards to the gospel, you have the holy, righteous person of Jesus Christ, and then you have sinful humanity, and Jesus says, I'm the bridegroom, you're the bride, I want you to become one with me through faith. And now you have two people that are kind of similar, but they're very, very different, and they're merging their lives together to become one right? And then the character of Christ is overwhelming our sinfulness and our selfishness. And so you begin to see with clarity 
what the gospel is just by looking at marriage. And, and I do want to say this, is like some here today, and, and some join us at another location or online, it's like you're, you're single and you don't want to be. And, and I just want to acknowledge like that's frustrating, right? That's frustrating. And, and that's even, you know, painful and, and just challenging for where some of you are at. Like this desire to have what it seems like everybody else has, but I don't have that. And sometimes there's even bitterness that comes with that, right? And I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to go to that place with the Holy Spirit. Like, let the Holy Spirit put that in front and begin to do work and begin to lead you forward, you know, into healing and into wholeness and let him dissect and draw you increasingly to himself. And listen, I don't, I don't know if you'll marry or if you won't marry. I don't know that. But what I do know is if, if you don't, right, like God's not withholding some ultimate prize from you, right? Because actually, if you're in Christ, that's the ultimate prize. Whether you're married, single, divorced, widowed, right? It doesn't matter. Like he's the ultimate prize. And so in the same way, that it takes faith to walk in marriage. It takes faith in the Holy Spirit to trust God's plan for your life that God has for you right now. Right? And so I'd like to throw out a next step I would like everyone to consider, and it's this. Stick around for the rest of the series. That's, that's the invitation. That's the practical next step I'm inviting everybody into. And so, yes, yes, the topic is marriage, but you know the truth that we're teaching on is the same thing we teach on every single Sunday, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and how to rely on him and how to trust him in that regards. And so my thought is, is that if you do, you'll see and understand the gospel in a fresh way, and it's going to invite you to trust the Lord in a fresh way in a new way in your own life. And so uh, if you plan to stick around, I would love if you would let me know, just write on the back of your connection card, check that next step, like, hey, I'm in. Or maybe you've got a friend, you're going, man, I think I have a friend or friends who would really benefit from being a part of this. And uh, so any location, man, we'd love if you're going to plan to stick around. And, and l- let me say this, like you can try to go after a good marriage. Like that could be your goal. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm coming in this series because I want to have a good marriage. And, and that can be your goal. And maybe you'll even get a good marriage, you know? I don't know. But, but if that's your goal, let me tell you this. Here's what you need to know. A good marriage will not bring you wholeness. A good marriage will not solve all of the situations that you're facing. A good marriage won't solve the deep, nagging isolation that you feel deep down in your spirit that nobody else knows about. It doesn't do that. It's not designed to do that. It never was, right? That deep, nagging isolation that you feel can only get, like, it can't be solved by a mere human being. It can only be solved by the person of Jesus Christ. That's it. Nothing else. And so whether you're married, you're single, you're divorced, you're a teenager, you're a college student, right? Like you're going through the toughest season of any you've ever been through. I want you to think about this question. What could happen if you choose to trust God right now? Like what could God do? What could God do? By you saying yes to him and yes to his design and yes to to faith in Jesus Christ, how would that begin to change 
the different things you're going through? What if you made the decision to trust God's plan for your life instead of your own? And I'll tell you what, I'll give you a little glimpse. I'll tell you what Jesus can do. Jesus can set you free from sin. Jesus can release you from the baggage you've been carrying since you were a little kid. Jesus can bring healing to a relationship that you thought was dead and over and there's no pulse. It's time to bury that thing. Like Jesus can transform any situation, even yours. It's what he does. And I think the biggest thing is that Jesus can restore you to your purpose and your design, which is an eternal friendship with God. That's what you're made for, to rely on him, to trust him in absolutely everything. And if you want it, come and get it. So I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I want you to ask this question, not out loud, but you can if you want, I guess. But the question is this, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? through this teaching. And then I just want you to listen to him. Father, I recognize that in a room this size and and we've got people at other places too and It's like some of us are just being here in and of itself was a challenge. Hearing truth was a challenge. And and at the same time, it's this amazing thing. As challenging as it is, it's like there's this balm that's being applied to my spirit. And it's good. And I'm drawn to it. And, and I want to know God it more in this deeper way. I want to, I want to trust him. I want to, I want to lean into him. I want, to, I want to rely on him like I've never before. And I'm just wondering, Holy Spirit, if you would really specifically call some people by their names and they would hear you. And they would say yes to reconciliation with you. They would say yes to faith in you. And then from the outflow of that, they would say yes to reconciliation and relationships in their lives. Maybe it's a marriage relationship, a friendship uh, uh, within family, whatever it is. But it's like, you're the God who takes broken things and brings them to wholeness. And I'm wondering if you would start works like that in this place right now. Because you said the kingdom of God, it starts out like this small little mustard seed. But when it takes root, it ends up like growing to this massive thing. That's, that's uncontrollable. And so we pray that there may be some seeds, some mustard seeds that are just beginning to form right now by faith in the lives of, of each one of us. Well, if you're new to Lighthouse, here's what I want to tell you. One of the things we love to do is we love to pray for each other. And so what's going to happen is in just a moment, the band is going to lead us in one more song. And we're going to have what we call prayer leaders that are going to be available in each corner of the room. So up here on my left, your right, 
Same over here by the cross, back by the sound booth, and back by the double doors. And if at any time during the song you would like to receive prayer, you'll just step out of your seat, go to one of those corners, you'll go to that prayer leader and say, hey, I got this thing going on, could you pray for me? And they're trained and they are ready to pray with you about anything at all. And please don't ever be embarrassed to want prayer. Like, we all need prayer. I'm up there most weekends to, to ask somebody to pray for me. Uh, and so I want to invite you to do the same thing. So um, we're going to sing, and, and I want, want you to come in just a moment if you feel God leading you to do that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who desires prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.